Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, staff evangelist Josh Davis will begin a brand new series revealing how to discover the authentic Jesus. And then a little later, Marvin McIlvaney will have a Bible in the News report. Watchmen on the Wall is here each day to bring clarity to the chaos and remind everyone who tunes in that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Would you help Watchmen on the Wall grow by inviting others to tune in? They can listen on the radio or through our SWRC mobile app. They can also access the program when they subscribe to our podcast. Friends, thank you. Thank you for helping Watchmen on the Wall expand and reach even more people with the clarity of the good news of the gospel. The mention of Jesus' name evokes a wide range of emotions. Some have walked away from Jesus when they could not figure out who he was and what he was doing in their lives. However, did they reject the authentic Jesus or a fake Jesus? Here's Larry Spargimino and Josh Davis to answer these and many more questions about fake Jesus. Something that is really good is going to be counterfeited. If it is valuable, someone will come up with a fake one. Well, that is certainly true with the Lord Jesus Christ. But a fake Jesus is dangerous. A fake Jesus cannot save, and a fake Jesus is not worthy of our devotion. Josh Davis has written a new book titled Fake Jesus. Josh is the uh, staff evangelist at Southwest Radio Church, and he's on the phone with me. Josh, so good to have you on the show. Thank you, Pastor Larry. It's my joy to be with you today. Well, I, I just love uh, to, uh, to be able to speak with you, and uh, you're just doing a great job at Southwest Radio Church, and um, I know you feel very strongly about evangelism, and you, you love the lost, and only the real Jesus can save. So tell us about this fake Jesus. Who or what is a fake Jesus? Well, in our world today, there's so many misconceptions of who Jesus is, and many people claim to follow Jesus, but in reality, they're following either a total misconception of him or uh, some other fake version. Some people deny that he is God. Some people want Jesus on their terms instead of on his terms. And each one of us has to come to terms with who the true Jesus is. Was he just a make-believe character? And if he really did exist, why do we say that he is God? And that's really what I want to drive at through this book is, is Jesus really God? How do we know he's God? And then secondly, what kind of God is he? Wow, that's so important uh, because I know so many people today in our country and even in our world uh, view God as a vending machine. You know, you, you push a button, uh, you get a Coca-Cola or a candy bar or whatever, but um, the true and the living God, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, is worthy of our devotion, and the deity of Christ is extremely important. And uh, I really appreciate that you're getting something like this out because it's one of the basics, and one of the things I found about the basics is we often forget the basics and we get into all other kind of weird stuff, <laughs> and and it, uh, the truth really suffers. So uh, 
How do we know Jesus is not just a myth of history? I mean, you know, there, there have been a lot of miracle workers, a lot of famous people who had a certain charisma. But, uh, and, and, you know, you've got the Greek mythology, and people say, well, this is just another myth. H- how do we know this, the Jesus whom you and I love and serve and who, mi- who millions of people love and serve is the real thing? But how do we know he's the real thing? Well, uh, according to history, we look at these historical figures and we try to figure these things out. And I don't know about you, Pastor Larry, but I, for one, have never lied awake at night wondering whether or not Alexander the Great ever existed. You know, we, we hear from history all about him and all the things that he did and how he changed the world as he advanced the Greek Empire. But how do we know Alexander the Great actually existed and the things that we know about him weren't just mythical fiction? And we have to understand how to understand history. And the process is very similar to what somebody like a crime scene detective would use to uh, put back together what happened in the past, whether that be through archaeological evidence, whether that be through examining writings that were left behind and piecing those things together to see exactly what happened and how it happened. And so when it comes to the person and the work and the life of Jesus Christ, we can simply summarize it by saying that we have more evidence and better evidence and earlier evidence for the existence of Jesus Christ than we do for any other historical figure. Uh, I used Alexander the Great as an example because we have just a couple of authors who wrote 150, 200, 300, even one that wrote some four to 500 years after he lived. These could not be eyewitnesses. And yet with the New Testament, we see that we have these multiple authors who were either eyewitnesses or direct associates of those eyewitnesses. Just take the four gospel authors, for example, Matthew and John, are both disciples of Jesus. In other words, they are eyewitnesses. And then Mark and Luke. Mark was an associate, many believe, of Peter and got the information directly from Peter. And then you have Luke, who writes in Luke chapter 1 and also in Acts chapter 1 that he sought out these things, wanting to discern what was really real, what was really true. And we see that history and archaeology time and time and time again backs up the authenticity of these men and of their writings. The way that they wrote, the things that they included was written in just a normal, natural way to explain what they had saw and to bear witness to these things. So again, I say that if we cannot believe in the person of Jesus as a historical figure, then we also ought to doubt Alexander the Great and every other historical figure because the data for them pales in comparison to the mountain of data that we have verifying that Jesus of Nazareth was a historical figure. I think that's a very good point. And the fact is that we have so many 
uh, full manuscripts or manuscript fragments, uh, parts of manuscripts that all point to Jesus Christ. And yet I think it's, you know, if you look at the account of Caesar crossing the Rubicon, nobody doubts that, but there's only one or two manuscripts, whereas we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And so you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, why is it that we're so hard on Jesus? Well, we've got all these manuscripts, but he really wasn't real. That's dishonest. Intellectual dishonesty is the wrong kind of dishonesty. Of course, we know why, because Jesus said, you're a sinner. You need to be born again, or else you're going to be damned for eternity in hell. And of course, people, they start squirming, and, and rather than repenting, and rather than, than receiving the good news, God loves you, they fight it. And, and you're, you're doing a great job in showing how this stuff is true and I think as we come to the end of the age, as we get nearer and nearer to the rapture, we're going to see more and more proof, as you've brought out, that Jesus was real, is real, that the Scripture is accurate, we can trust the Bible. I mean, we keep on finding archaeological things left and right, and I think one of these days we're going to come up with Noah's Ark. We think we know where it is, but it's in such a politically sensitive area that the Turks and the Russians don't want us messing around there. But one of these days it's going to show up, and that's going to be when God says, hey, you better get on the ark. His name is Jesus Christ. Love him, serve him, follow him, and get saved. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, Josh, some people agree that Jesus existed as a historical figure, they think, but he was just a great moral teacher. They don't, don't believe he's God. Is this logically possible? Does it make sense? Well, in a nutshell, no, it doesn't. And it is not logically possible because Jesus himself did not leave that option open to us. I know many people point back to C.S. Lewis when he said that either Jesus is Lord, liar, or lunatic. In my studies, I found that C.S. Lewis himself, that was not original with him. It goes back even further, and I believe much further back, because Scripture bears that truth out. To make the claims that Jesus made, and to say you are able to forgive sins, for instance. Let's just look at that one, for example. In Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26, Jesus is teaching a large crowd of people, and he is inside this house, and there's all these religious leaders there and other people listening intently. There was a man who was sick and unable to walk, and four of his friends carry this cot that he's lying on to the house where Jesus was, and when they realized because of this massive crowd they can't get in, they go up on top of the flat roof, remove the roof tiles, and lower the man in down into where Jesus is. And when Jesus saw this, the first thing that he says to this sick man is not, what are you doing here? Why are you here? What are you doing? No, he says, man, thy sins are forgiven thee in Luke chapter 5 verse 20. And so clearly Jesus is claiming to be able to forgive sins. Now, Pastor Larry, if I came on here and I started telling our listeners, you pray in the name of Jesus and Josh Davis and Josh Davis is going to forgive you of your sins, that would be blasphemy. That would be heresy. You wouldn't call me a good man if I came on telling people I could forgive their sins because I don't have that power. I don't have that authority. I'm not able to do that because I am not God. I don't even like using that example because it makes me feel convicted that I'm claiming to be something that I am not. 
But the only way that Jesus could claim to forgive this man's sins is if he's able to back up that claim. Otherwise, he's a liar or he's crazy. He just thinks he's something that he's not. So Jesus' statement to this sick man doesn't escape the notice of the religious crowd. They said, who can forgive sins but God alone? So Jesus says, what is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins. He says to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch, the mat that he was laying on, and go into thine house. Jesus claimed to be able to forgive his sins. He claimed to have power over this man's sickness. Uh, Would Jesus be a good man if he has no authority to back up his claims? No, of course not. He would be guilty of blasphemy. And that's breaking one of the Ten Commandments. So Jesus would be guilty of sin. He would not be the Savior that Christians claim he is. In other words, Jesus cannot be a good man unless he is the God who he claims to be. And Jesus proves that he is this very God that he claims to be. Amen to that. Well, in fact, when you were talking, I was thinking of a part of my sermon yesterday at church in John 15, where Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Now, <laughs> you know, your, your most famous athlete, the smartest per- person in the world, the greatest man in the world, President Joe Biden, anybody who said that, without me, you can do nothing. That's ridiculous. And yet, you know, if Jesus said that, there's only one possibility. Either he's the nutcase or he is for real. And of course, as you pointed out, he is for real. We can trust him, we can love him, and we can have that assurance of eternal life. Well, friends, we're visiting with Josh Davis, our staff evangelist at Southwest Radio Church. He is the author of the new book, Fake Jesus. We certainly appreciate Josh Davis. He's a pastor's son and has a burden for the lost. Brother Davis is firmly convinced that we have to present the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. And this book discusses some key areas in Jesus' life and ministry and answers some critical concerned questions. You've heard some of the things already uh, so far. You know, but how do we know that Jesus is not just a myth of history? How do we know that Jesus was not just a great moral teacher, kind of a moral leader? These are just some of the issues discussed in the book. There are many, many more. The title of the book, Fake Jesus, our toll-free number, 1-800-652-1144. Now, Josh, how did Jesus verify his claims to be the Messiah? Because I know this whole idea of verification is very important today, and it was certainly very important to Jesus. So how did he do it? What concrete acts and things and sayings can we point our finger to and say, look, this is, this is verification. This is real. This is true. Pastor Larry, I think that there's three main ways that Jesus backed up, if we can use that phrase, backed up his claims to be the very God of the Scriptures. The first is by his fulfilling of the Old Testament messianic prophecies. I want to return to these and just unpack them a little bit more. Secondly, by his miracles, his message, and his morality. And then by his death and resurrection. In regards to his uh, fulfillment of these Old Testament messianic prophecies, we see that there's many that Jesus 
pinpointedly fulfilled in such a way that no one else in human history would ever be able to do. Just consider a few of these from the Old Testament. Genesis 3.15, as we know, is the mother of all prophecies. He will be the seed of the woman. Now, that could apply to any one of us human beings, but I think that it's very specific. God wasn't planning on sending an angelic being of any other kind. It was going to be through the seed of the woman. And then it continues to get more specific from there. He would come through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob. And as Genesis concludes in Genesis 49, we see that the Messiah is going to come through the tribe of Judah. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 7, we learn that God promised King David that his dynasty would rule forever and that there would come a ruler who would sit upon his throne forever and forever and forever. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and 7 echoes that same truth. But it continues to get much more specific. As I just referenced Isaiah 9, it says that he will be God. And we know that his name will be called Emmanuel, as Isaiah 7 tells us. He's going to be born of a virgin. How many people do you know who were virgin born? This is getting very, very specific. But it goes on even further and in greater specificity. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 tells us. And I find it interesting in Matthew chapter 2 as the New Testament opens, we see these wise men, these magi from the east come to Jerusalem. And they say, where is he that's born king of the Jews? And Herod has to go scrounge up the religious rulers. And they say, oh, that's an easy one. In Bethlehem of Judea, they quoted Micah 5.2, but they weren't willing to go where the evidence was leading them to go. And this is the problem when it comes to a fake Jesus, is that so many people may understand the facts and the figures, but they are not willing to accept the truth. And the prophecy continues to get much more specific from there. I outline all of this in the book and go into great detail in every line of prophecy here. He's going to die in A.D. 33. The math works out perfectly. And prophecy outlines how and why Jesus will die. He is the only one who can fulfill these prophecies with such pinpoint precision. And it goes on to his miracles and his message, and his morality. You cannot divorce Jesus' miracles and his message and his morality. And last of all, I touched on his death and resurrection. How do we know Jesus really died on the cross? That's one of the historical facts that even the liberals will concede that is an undoubtable fact of history that Jesus of Nazareth died on the cross. Even the liberals will say that. But we know that the resurrection was a historical fact as well. And that is borne out by much of what we see. And when we look at how his disciples' lives were transformed by the resurrected Christ, you have doubters like Thomas who were transformed. You have skeptics like Jesus' own brothers, James and others that turned to him with eyes of faith once they encountered the resurrected Christ. And no less than Saul of Tarsus, who was literally killing Christians like Stephen 
after the resurrection of Jesus, when he encountered the resurrected Jesus on the way to Damascus, his life was changed. He left all the years of hard work that he had built up for himself, everything he had done to climb the religious corporate ladder, if there even is such a thing, which there is not. But he had worked so hard his whole life to gain the position, the notoriety, uh, the income, the uh, accolades, everything that he had worked his whole life for. He threw it in the garbage can and followed after this Jesus, willing to be beaten, to be imprisoned, for his name, because he knew that he had encountered the way, the truth, and the life. And the simple way to summarize everything that I'm saying is that, yes, Jesus is God. Now, we come to a crossroads that we've got to choose. Am I going to follow the evidence where it's leading? Or am I going to turn a blind eye because I've got some other preconceived notion because I want to live my life my way and I don't want Jesus to be God. Therefore, I'm going to say that he is not God. And so we use it as a, a way to weasel out of dealing with the truth. But my friend, if you want to be intellectually honest with yourself, you must look at these facts and say, I'm going to go where the evidence leads. You know, I'm glad that I didn't take a blind leap of faith in the dark when I received Jesus. As a kid and when I came into college, my faith began to be questioned and I began to say, have I believed a bunch of Sunday school fairy tales? Is Jesus really God? How do we know these things? How do we understand these things? As I began to pursue him and to pursue these truths that I'm sharing with you, our listeners today, God challenged my heart and said, these things are true. You're not taking a blind leap of faith into the dark, but you are believing and standing upon a solid, firm foundation who is the reality of Jesus Christ. Yes, I believe and I know that he is the very God he claimed to be. Amen and amen. Well, thank you so much, Josh. Well, we're looking forward to uh, having you back again. And friends, uh, we've been speaking about the book, Fake Jesus, a great book. And uh, Josh is going to be back with us. We'll do another show. And uh, until then, we'll be waiting to hear Josh once again as he tells us about the real Jesus. Josh Davis will have more on recognizing the real Jesus on tomorrow's program. Josh Davis's brand new book, Fake Jesus, will expose the counterfeit and reveal the authentic. This book serves as a guide to help us navigate common misconceptions of Jesus. Along the journey in this book, you'll discover, is Jesus God? What kind of God is he? You'll also learn how to avoid falling for a fake Jesus and how to discover the authentic Jesus. Josh Davis shares his personal struggles with fake Jesuses to help you avoid the counterfeits in your journey. He points us to powerful scriptures which guide us to the genuine Jesus. This journey transformed Josh's life and will transform yours too as you walk with the authentic Jesus. Order Fake Jesus today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. 
or order on our website, swrc.com. This book will show you how to enjoy a thriving relationship with the authentic Jesus. Fake Jesus by Josh Davis is available today when you visit swrc.com or by simply calling 1-800-652-1144. Let's join Marvin McIlvaney now with today's Bible in the News Report. There are many reasons why you could be wondering, what is a good Bible verse for healing? In times of sickness, you could be seeking a powerful healing prayer, or perhaps you were looking for a comforting message for healing the mind during times of stress. You may even be looking for help with healing a broken heart. No matter what reason you're looking, rest assured that there is a powerful Bible verse about healing to help you. Does that mean you don't need a doctor? What if you can't find a doctor? You may say, oh, that would never happen. Oh, yeah? Natasha Valley went to a Tenova Healthcare Hospital in Clarksville, Tennessee, because she was bleeding. She didn't know much about miscarriage, but this seemed like one. In the emergency room, she was examined and then sent home, she said. She went back when her cramping became excruciating, then went home again. It ultimately took three trips to the ER on three consecutive days, generating three separate bills before she saw a doctor who looked at her blood work and confirmed her fears. At the time, I was thinking, oh, I don't need to see a doctor, Valley recalled. But when you think about it, it's like, well, why didn't I see a doctor? It's not clear whether the repeat visits were due to delays in seeing a physician, but the experience worried her, and she's still paying the bills. But 17 months before her three-day ordeal, Tenova had outsourced its emergency rooms to American Physician Partners, a medical staffing company owned by private equity investors. APP employs fewer doctors in its ERs as one of its cost-saving initiatives to increase earnings, according to a confidential company document obtained by NPR. This staffing strategy has permeated hospitals and especially emergency rooms that seek to reduce their top expense, physician labor. While diagnosing and treating patients was once their domain, doctors are increasingly being replaced by nurse practitioners and physician assistants, collectively known as mid-level practitioners, who can perform many of the same duties and generate much of the same revenue for less than half of the pay. APP has numerous cost-saving initiatives underway as part of the company's continual focus on cost-cutting, the document says including a shift of staffing between doctors and mid-level practitioners. While you're saying a prayer for healing, remember to pray not to get sick in the first place. Josh Davis's brand new book entitled Fake Jesus will expose the counterfeit and reveal the authentic. This book serves as a guide to help us navigate common misconceptions of Jesus. Order Fake Jesus today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order this book online. Or order on our website, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Josh Davis will have more insight into how to enjoy a thriving relationship with the authentic Jesus. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station, by downloading our SWRC mobile app 
or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit swrc.com.